Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into the Firetime Podcast. I'm excited to be here today, and I think this is going to be a really good episode. Today, we're going to be talking with Rick Vallejos, who literally wrote the book when it comes to certification and training for our industry. And we're going to talk in detail about education. I truly believe that most people in our industry are undereducated for what they do. And this has nothing to do with a college education or anything like that. It has to do with on-the-job, continual learning. Because the truth of the matter is that we're either learning or we're dying. There's really not much of an in-between. And I give an example like this. So take something like the Hearth Patio and Barbecue Expo every year. You know, you've got thousands of people there. I don't know how many, 2,000, 3,000 people. And every year they run education sessions that start the day before and that go throughout the entire thing. And every year there's like 200 people that sign up. And I'm telling you that this is an indication of the fact that most people in their businesses either think that they haven't figured out in a way that they don't, or they believe they're too busy to be educated. And honestly, Training and education is the only way to grow your business. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here if you're listening to this podcast, but it's a shame to me that when you look at like affiliate meetings and training sessions that they are not stuffed to the brim. I mean, I feel like, man, if I can get my team anywhere within two hours to get them training, like I don't care what it costs, man, I'm going to make it happen because I know that investing in training and education is the only way that they're going to be able to sell more fireplaces and grow our company. And I think it's easy after years and years in the business to either A, feel like you've heard it all before, or B, feel like you're just too busy to worry about it. And I think both of those are wrong. That, you know, what I find personally is that even if I hear the same training again and again and again, you know what it does for me? It reinforces it. And I'm the kind of person that sometimes I got to hear it two times or three times before I get it. And even for me, there's books that I'll listen to on repeat year in and year out. And there's podcasts I'll listen to over and over again. And there's articles they'll read again and again and again. And the reason why is because I get new insight and it doesn't matter that I've heard it before. I'm learning things that were never there to me, even though I'd heard the material. It's really important. So obviously, I'm passionate about education. I think it is desperately needed in our industry. And honestly, if we are going to grow into the future, we've got to start taking control of our destiny. And the way that we do that is by making ourselves lifelong learners. I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, but I truly believe if we do not disrupt ourselves, we will be disrupted. And the only way that we're going to be able to disrupt ourselves and the status quo is to think outside the box to learn, to commit ourselves to education, to taking risks, to thinking bigger, to doing things differently than the status quo that's gotten us by. So with all that in mind, I can't wait for you to hear this education. Rick Vallejos is a legend in the industry, and he's got some amazing insights. So we're going to talk in detail today about training and educating your team members, and I think you're going to walk away with some amazing ideas for your team. 
So with that in mind, we're going to jump into the interview. As always, we'll circle back at the end and recap it. Joining me from Chicago, Illinois, is the executive director of the Hearth, Patio, and Barbecue Education Foundation. I am joined by Rick Vallejos. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Tim. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, it's great to have you on the show. And as I've been thinking about guests for this season, you are someone that I've been really wanting to talk to because you literally wrote the book on training for this industry. We haven't talked to many people on this show that are literally the ones that have written the book. And so I'm excited for that today. But as we jump into this interview, how did you get started doing this in general? Well, I started out as an independent sales rep. I was a sales rep for 20 years. And, and actually, the Hearth Patio Barbecue Education Foundation hired me to get their online training program going. Um, NFI really got its start back in 2002. Uh, back in those days, we had a certification program called the Wood, Heat, Energy, and Research Foundation. And by 1999, they really decided it's time to get a credible certification program so they, they started the process, and actually, Ben Weathersby actually wrote the, the original manuals. Okay. Um, the, the NFI was Ben's baby. I mean, he really nurtured that project along. Um, my job since Ben retired in 2015 has been to update the manuals and uh, maintain them. But uh, the industry really owes Ben Weathersby for, for, for writing the manuals originally. We do, but I know that there's a lot that we owe you as well. I mean, we'll get into kind of everything that you do as this interview keeps going, but you mentioned NFI, and I feel like most folks in our industry have heard something about NFI certifications, but for folks that haven't, that are maybe new to this, can you explain what NFI certification is? Sure, sure. We have actually four different certifications that we, we, we offer. Three of them are geared towards installers. We've got certifications for wood burning, gas, and pellet, and they're separate certifications. The goal is to make sure that the appliance is installed properly. You know, I want to know that I can stuff a wood stove full of wood, walk out the door, or go to sleep and not have to worry that something's going to go wrong. So we, we, we started out working strictly with the installers and uh, trying to teach them how to properly install the product. And actually, we've just finished a a four-year project of completely redoing those four certifications, or three certifications. So we reformatted the manuals, reformatted the exams, so we have the core knowledge, which is that knowledge that's common to all three fuel types, and then a much shorter wood, gas, and pellet. So to get your first certification, you pass the core knowledge and the fuel type. After that, you just have to pass the additional fuel type. Sure, that makes sense. And this is the only like industry-wide recognized certification that there is, which is actually kind of crazy considering that we're putting fire in people's houses on purpose. I mean, having a resource like this is a really big deal and super important, right? Yeah, it is. You know, we... We all, you know, we've heard people say over the years, you know, we're building a fire in somebody's living room. Uh, I would just as soon know that we we get it right. And it's amazing how many people I bump into that have been doing this for 5, 10, 15 years and have been doing it wrong the whole time. And those are the guys that are sometimes the toughest to convince 
that there is a better way to do this. Yep, I totally hear that. And I feel like NFI certification is legit. I mean, our company hosts group study sessions for like literally eight weeks leading up to the test. And we have some of our senior people in the company that act as instructors that that teach out of the book of, you know, what's going to be on the test and everything. And it's it's a really big deal. So how involved are you personally in coming up with this testing criteria? Because it's really stringent. It is stringent. They, we, we have some very tough exams. Uh, my process in it is more in an advisory capacity. We actually hire two consultants. They're called psychometricians that know That's a word statistics. that we use all the time, right? It's a, it's a <laughs> word in everybody's vocabulary. It took me a long time to figure out just what these do. Actually, we have two of them. And they basically, they know statistics, but they know that certification industry best practices. So we get a group of subject matter experts together. For doing wood burning, we get five to six people who really know wood burning together. Each one of them is assigned a certain number of um, exam questions that they have to write. Then they actually meet with the psychometrician in a meeting. They look at the questions. They decide which ones are good, which ones are bad. My function there is just to make sure that the question is technically correct. So you're there to make sure it's technically correct. And then basically this group pieces together a complete exam based on the feedback of the subject matter experts, your input, and then also this group of consultants that you hire. Yeah. And then we, we, we do a pilot exam. We call it an overlength exam. It's about, but it's about 30% larger than the regular exam is. We get a group of people to take that pilot exam. Then that same group of subject matter experts get together again, analyze the results of the overlength exam, throw out the questions that just didn't do well, and whittle it down to the final number. Wow. It's a, it's a long, painstaking process. It is, but I'm glad that somebody's doing it. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but more and more there's becoming certain areas of the country where you have to have a certification like this to be able to install and thank God there's a resource that's from within our industry like this as opposed to us having to get you know licensed for plumbing or for you know HVAC or something that might check the box of a license but actually has nothing to do with the safety of our industry yeah it's um, it, it's really hard to convince a local municipality to take a program that's already developed. Sometimes there's this power struggle that they want to be the ones to develop the program. And our pitch to them is, why do you want to reinvent the wheel? We already have a credible program. I can explain why it's credible to them. And that way they can say, you know what, we can just adopt that. And we're saving the taxpayers time and money by not redeveloping a program that's already out there. Well, Rick, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit bigger picture because the HPBEF or the Hearth Patio Barbecue Education Foundation is is bigger than just NFI. What else do you guys have going on besides that? Well, the two biggest projects we have outside of, of NFI are, of course, the Expo Education Program. It's our responsibility to put together the, the, the Expo Education Program every year. And then we also have about 300 classes that are available online. I don't ever want to see online education replace 
good old fashioned in-person teaching. But for every person that's in that room, I figure there's four or five other people back at the store that didn't get a chance to come to that meeting. Sure. And that's what we try to do with the online program. So we take as many of the expo classes as we can, as many classes from as many different sources as we can get recorded. We make them available online so the people that don't get the chance to go to the meeting still can get the information. You must have hundreds of classes then that are backlogged online, right? We've got just over 300 classes. Wow. Uh, And then we also have three manuals, and they're kind of the unsung heroes of what we do. Uh, We've got a manual called Professional Services Profitable, which was originally written in 1999. Uh, It was updated just a few years ago. And it's amazing how many dealers don't understand that their service business can be a profit center. We've got a a manual on uh, hiring and retaining exceptional employees, which, again, was a 1998-99 manual that Ted Topping actually um, rewrote for us a few years ago. And it's they're, both of those manuals are based on industry surveys of what's actually going on in the hearth industry. The third manual we have is called Show Me the Money. And if you don't know uh, how to read a financial statement or what to do with the information once you get it, Show Me the Money goes over all that information for you. So we don't push those manuals a lot, but I'll tell you what, they're just kind of like this little nugget sitting in the background that we don't use very much. But when people get them, it's like, wow, that really did make sense. Oh, man. I mean, that makes a ton of sense for me. I'm, I'm thinking about the service thing. So I've worked for a few different companies in my time in the industry. And, it, and at one of them in particular, I remember always being told service will never make money. It's always a pain. You always fight it. You grit your teeth and get through it. It will never be a profit center. And then, you know, now I've come to a different company where service is a monstrous revenue generator with, with honestly high margins and high customer satisfaction. I, I think that a course like that is really, really helpful. And then also the financial statement one, that makes a ton of sense to be able to, to read and understand the financial statement and not just run your business by the seat of your pants is amazing. That's cool that you have those resources. Yeah, and all three of those classes have online components that go with it. So it's the, you know, it's the manual plus the online component. And it's it's good, solid stuff. But what I like about them is that they were based on real life hearth industry examples, rather than just talking in stereotypical, uh, this is what best industry does. Sure. This is this is what we do in the hearth industry. And uh, they are pretty cool manuals. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Rick, I personally saw you teach a customer service class in Seattle back in April. It, it was really good. And I, I thought it was just cool how after years of doing this, you were still so passionate about educating our industry. And I hear people argue a lot that they don't have time for training and they don't have time for education. Why do you think it's so important to stay up on education and training? Well, you know, I was a sales rep for 20 years before I got into the education side of this business. Um, Dealers would call me up. They would hire a new employee and they would say, Rick, can you come train this guy? So I would show up at their dealer store and I'm a sales guy. So I would want to teach this person about my product. And instead, I'm trying to explain the difference between a B vent and a pellet vent. (laughs) Um, 
they, you know, so what, what does the dealer do? He's busy. The new guy is there. He says, you know what? Go shadow Fred for the day. And the new guy goes off with Fred. And the reason why Fred has the time to work with the new guy is because Fred's the guy who knows the least in the business. Uh, and somehow or another, we go through this whole training process and we forget the basics. And my passion is if we can teach the basics, the fundamentals that make these appliances work, then the manufacturers can teach their product specific stuff. Yeah. And what do you know? You got a well-trained employee. Oh man, that's awesome. And I, I just, I keep thinking when people say, well, I don't, I don't have time for training. I'm, I'm too busy, you know. I just look at that and I think, well, it means you don't have time to make money, honestly. That, that I mean, if, if you're not continually learning and changing, learning new products, learning new ideas, new sales tactics and customer service techniques, I mean, honestly, you're going to get left behind. And I think that there's yeah. just, we're all busy. Like there's no one that's not busy, but if it's important, you got to take the time and do it. And I think historically, I think that the companies and business leaders who invest the most in training and education, honestly, are the ones who do the best and, and run the most profitable businesses. It is. It, it's it's part of taking care of your employees, making them feel motivated and appreciated. It's it's obviously you know part of what makes your customers. It's what separates you from the big box stores and the fly by nights that come and go. And you wonder, do these guys really know what they're doing? Yeah, you have to do it. Absolutely. Well, so I want to ask you this. I, th I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but I'll, I'll share it with you here. So a few years ago, I was teaching a course at one of our affiliate meetings. And afterwards, someone came up to me and, and they said, hey, Tim, you know, I love everything that you're saying. But if we train our people like this, they're just going to leave us. What would you say to that? I think you're wrong. You know, uh, part of good management is taking care of your employees. You have to focus on, we, we have so many managers and owners in this business that were technical guys who knew what they were doing. And now all of a sudden they're thrust into the role of a manager or an owner with employees. And they forget to take time to really get to know and make their employees feel appreciated. It's funny, I had a dealer when I was a sales rep who actually, he was in a small town and he actually had a waiting list no of way. people that, that wanted to work there. Wow. When I called on him somewhere back in about 19, I don't know, 1990, somewhere around there, he built an addition on his store and put in a training room. The last I was there was about five years ago, and it's still a training room because he feels passionate about getting his employees are constantly motivated so that they, they, they know what they're doing so they can do a good job. The employee feels good. And obviously he pays them halfway decent. So totally. the employee, you know, the employee wants to stay and it's just a great working environment. You can't just worry about training them. You have to just really focus on on, on your employees sometimes. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and the thing I think about, this is actually a good example here in our company. So we recently made a new hire to our retail team. And he actually has family ties to one of the big manufacturers in our industry. And so we hired him with the understanding that he's probably going to be gone in five years. He's, he wants to learn the industry, learn the business, mm -hmm. and then go work you know, with, for, for his family's company. And I actually look at that as a win. Because I look at this as, okay, this guy's motivated. This guy, he's coming in, he's got a plan of where he wants to go, 
And I've got, I don't know how long, two to five years probably. And I told him, I said, the way that I'm doing this is I am literally trying to train you as if I'm training the CEO of this company in 10 years. And my hope is that whether you're here for two years, five years, or 10 years, that you're going to make us a ton of money and serve a bunch of customers. And when you leave, you're going to take the best experiences of our company with you to go and bless other people where you're going. And I think that's a win-win, even though we're probably going to lose them at some point. Yeah, I worked retail for about 18 years before I got in the heart business. I was in the photo business. And the, the guy that I worked for was absolutely magnificent. I was 21 years old, managing the camera department in one of five stores. And he, he, he was just the kind of a guy that said, you know what, if you make a mistake, learn from it and don't do it again. Yeah. And he, I, I really believe if he was still running the store, I would probably still be there. But as he grew older, the kids took over. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the focus was on, did you punch in? Did you punch out? Did you do this? Did you do that? And it lost that personal touch. And and one by one, the senior management all left because they just didn't know how to take care of employees. Well, it kind of goes back to the fact, I think about this a lot whenever I have team members leave, that when people quit, I mean, honestly, they're firing their boss. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to talk to them and find out, you know, you got to sit back and really figure out why they're leaving. Yeah. Especially if you're having a bunch of people leave. Now, I realize that in, in, you know, in today's society, it's tough to find good it workers. There's a, there's a lot of guys out there that just don't want to work. Yep. But once you get them, nurture them along, get to know them. Uh, one of the best sales reps I knew know uh, was a guy, he could walk into the back uh, warehouse of a, of a dealer's store and he knew every guy, what their kids did, what sports they were in. He just knew the people and it, it translated into a great relationship. Well, and I'll tell you too, when, when you invest in your people by getting to know them, knowing their families and honestly investing in training. I mean, if you as a business leader drop 500 bucks or a couple thousand dollars to send a team member to this training, they see that investment and it and it really does mean something to them. It's yeah. not a guarantee that they're always going to stay with you, but if you're always talking with them and saying, "Hey, I'm trying to grow you. I want what do you want to do next? How can I help you get there?" You know, I think number 1, they're going to stay way longer with your company than they would have otherwise. Number 2, if they get an offer, they're probably going to show it to you and say, "Hey, this offer came my way. What do you think I should do?" And number three, even if they do leave, they've probably been a huge asset to your company and made you a ton of money in the time that they were there. And I think that that's a win, even if you end up losing them ultimately. We'll get back to our interview in just a minute. Hey, if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard me say that most businesses in our industry have a website that's leaking money. And what happens is people spend thousands and thousands of dollars in marketing, and all of that marketing sends a customer to their website. But the problem is websites in our industry are not set up to help customers. And I don't care if you're a manufacturer, a distributor, or a retailer, websites are not set up to help customers and they are bleeding dollars left and right. Well, there's three key reasons why, and I want to jump into reason number one. And it's the fact that your website isn't capturing leads and generating estimates. 
The reason that customers come to your website is to find out if a fireplace can help them and they want to know how much it costs. If your website isn't set up to actively capture leads, and I mean intentionally capture them and also generate customized estimates, you're losing money because customers are going to your site for a reason. They want to know what's going to work in their house. They want to find out more information about the products and they want to know what's it going to cost for them. Your website needs to do all of those things. And if it's not capturing leads and generating estimates, you're in trouble. Now, I've got a free video series that's going to walk you step by step through what you need to do about this. And you can go to yourwebsiteisleakingmoney.com and check it out for free. That's yourwebsiteisleakingmoney.com. Don't go another day wasting marketing dollars when that money could be working for you. Patch the holes in your website and start helping the customers that you've already paid to get to your website. You can do that by going to yourwebsiteisleakingmoney.com. Well, circling back to, to education, historically, NFI has been all about technical knowledge. You talked about how the wood, the pellet, the gas have leaned very heavily towards the installers and the service techs. But recently, you guys came out with a certification that's kind of more geared for sales folks, right? Yeah, it's, you know, I told you, I'm a, I'm a sales guy at heart. And I really believe that most of the major decisions are made during the sales process. So the salesperson sells it. The installer gets to the customer's house and he realizes that the product would work better if it was installed on another wall, for example. Sure. So he's got two choices. He can either put it in the wrong place or he can make his sales department look like they don't know what they're doing and put it in the right place, but it, it, it reflects bad on the salespeople. Yeah. We, want, we wanted to develop something that would teach the the salesperson the technical knowledge they need to make it work right. Things like negative pressure and the theory of combustion and venting systems and all of those things that we've always taught installers, but never thought to teach the salespeople. So we developed the Hearth Design Specialist, which is designed to separate those salespeople who really know what they're doing and give them some credibility. Yeah, and, and this is going to make salespeople that can run a job from cradle to grave, which I feel like every owner and every manager is looking for. Because at the end of the day, I think that any owners or managers that are listening to this, what do they all have in common? They're all strapped for time. And they're right. always the backstop for any question that their team has. And, and uh, Dave Ramsey's got this analogy that if you're a leader in a company, very often your team member comes bursting in with a problem or a question. And it's like they bring in a giant wild monkey with them and they throw that monkey on your desk and it starts tearing up all your papers and, and then your team member leaves and you're stuck with the monkey. You know what I mean? Yep. So, mm-hmm. so, so very often the owners and managers are the backstop. And I think that actually training team members like this to be able to handle things smoothly from start to finish is actually going to buy back the time and lower the stress level for people who just have too much on their plate. Am I understanding that right? Oh, yeah. As, as, as I've talked about this one over the last several months, you'd have to see the look on installers' faces, you know, because they say, well, it's about time that we start getting the stuff right on the sales side. So by the time, you know, so the salesperson understands what happens when I forget that wall thimble. Yeah. 
you know, that the whole job stops. Yep. And all of a sudden you got to make a separate trip out to the customer's house. Let's teach the salespeople this stuff so we can get it right right from the get-go. <laughs> I'm thinking about I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm thinking about this this uh this phrase I heard from a from a, a friend of mine. He he always talks about when you start a job out wrong, he goes, "You know what? When you launch a turd over the top of your dam and you just wait for it to hit the bottom, it's never going to end well." Now, I don't I don't exactly know what that means, but I think what he's trying to say is that if it doesn't start out right, it's probably not going to end right. And I think that the whole, yeah. you know, design specialist put salespeople in a position to be able to start it outright to, again, buy down their time, lower their stress, and ultimately buy down the time of their installers. Like how many more installs could you do if you didn't have to go make second trips because the salesperson made a mistake or they didn't have something right on the vent run? I think that this is where like the heart behind this podcast is we're trying to make it easy for people to buy from us. And as a sales professional, if you understand the basic you know, competencies of vent runs and installation and framing and combustion, that's going to put you in a position to make it very easy to buy from you versus if you only halfway know what you're doing and it becomes very hard to buy as soon as something, as soon as a roadblock happens as you go through the installation. And and let's give the salespeople some credibility. Let's put a plaque up so when customers walk in the door, they see a plaque that your sales staff is certified. You walk into a, a an auto shop or just about any type of business, you see certification uh, certificates hanging on the wall. Let's give our customers the reason why they should shop the specialty retailer instead of online or uh, somewhere else. Well, and I'm even thinking about this and I mean, man, I got to think about my sales team. Like what happens if, if my whole sales team is NFI certified with the heart design specialist and we can, we can confidently say, Hey, we are the only place in this market where our salespeople exactly. have the same certification as our installers. I mean, I think that that means something. Yep. My friend, Tim Rethlake always says when he's talking to a customer, he says, you know, there's times in life where you want to do business with an expert. We feel like when you're putting a fire in your house on purpose, yeah. this is probably one of those times. <laughs> it's probably one of those times. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, so Rick, you know, speaking broadly about education, I feel like it's something that that we're always fighting. And, and frankly, the heart behind this podcast has been to start the conversation at the national level of how can we start rethinking our sales process? How can we start rethinking the way that we run our business to be better not necessarily throwing out what's worked in the past but but maybe looking at it with a critical eye and saying like should we do things the way they've always been done or, or are there innovations that we can make to be better and serve more customers one of the resources that i think about as being the most underutilized in our industry is the education passport at the expo every year i mean i i I, I cannot believe how underutilized it is because I, I feel like this. I, I look at this and I say, for less than $150, you can literally go to like a dozen courses or more that cover every department in your company. Why isn't this something that people are taking advantage of? How much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we got all the time in the I, world. I, I honestly believe that Expo has the four most important days of the year. Uh, I've been going to that trade show since 19, when I got in the business in 1983, and it is just absolutely crucial. You know, the trade show, the meetings, being able to rub shoulders with some of the industry, you know, gurus of this industry, uh, it's incredibly important. 
But on the flip side, sometimes the problem is that there's too much to do. Sure. And and it's it's a matter of setting priorities to say we need to carve out time to do some education classes. Frankly, there is plenty of time to do it all. Years ago, you know, everybody used to say, oh, it takes me four days to get through the trade show. <laughs> well, anymore. you know what? Not anymore. Uh, there is there is plenty of time. You just have to budget your time and uh, get it done. Yes, we need to charge for expo education. Uh, one of the things most people don't realize is we are not funded by HPBA. Uh, we're just like any other business. If people don't buy our product, we can't pay our bills. So the only way we can pay our bills at Expo is to charge for that education passport. But um, it is we, we, we do everything we can. We get evaluations. Last year, I came home from the Expo with 1,700 course evaluations wow. that were filled out. And I read through every one of them. We send a follow-up survey to attendees asking them, did you attend classes? Didn't you attend? Why not? What do you want to hear? We honestly read through all that stuff. And then we search to find the best industry guys or the best professional speakers that we can find um, to come and do presentations. It's, it's, it's just carving out the time and, and setting it as a priority. Well, and I think too, I mean, you go back to $150 and honestly, like that is nothing. Cause you, you think about over the years, I mean, I started going to, to HPB Expo consistently about seven years ago and I have gotten so much value out of sitting in the courses. I mean, even the last two years when I have spoken and taught myself, when I'm not teaching, I am in the courses, like taking notes and learning because the content's so valuable. And no joke, if you're if you're a company that has not seriously invested in education and building, you know, systems and processes, you could literally spend $150, go to two or three of these courses, make changes and see a half million dollar difference in your business next year. That is not out of the realm of possibility at all. We really try to keep it as practical as possible. Um, and, and you're, you're right. What you said early on is that we try to put together a very wide variety of classes out there. Uh, it is a conscious effort. And, and trust me, we're always looking for new ideas. We're always looking for new speakers. Uh, I put, you know, I've got a newsletter that goes out to 7,000 of my closest friends. And I'm always saying, if you guys have ideas for classes, if you guys have ideas of speakers that you want to hear, talk to me and I'll, I'll get them on the list. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a great service and yeah, I mean, you, you might say that, well, Expo's, you know, it, it's an expensive trip and everything, but you know what? You're already paying for the plane. You're already paying for the hotels and honestly, right. so just come a day earlier and spend an extra 200 bucks on your hotel, 150 bucks. So you spent 350 extra dollars to, to come to education. And, and you look at that, I mean, man, for 350 bucks to get 12 plus courses, I, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer, and I think I think that you should take yourself as the business owner. You should take your sales manager or your general manager of your store, and you split up and you divvy up. Hey, you take these courses, I'll take these ones. Because the reason I say there's only a dozen courses is because for one person, you can only take about a dozen. But man, if you got two people, I mean, how many how many courses do you offer every year at Expo? We usually offer about thirty-five. Yeah, so a lot. So a couple people, you, <laughs> you can you can knock out a couple dozen of those courses and get some serious value on how to grow your business long term. Yep. Well, what I think all this comes down to is education is is a really big deal. I, I, I truly believe that over the next 10 years, we are going to see 
we're going to see some changes in our industry. I mean, we've gone through this huge battle over wood. Honestly, I was in Seattle, no joke, yesterday. I, I bought a last-minute plane ticket. I flew up to Seattle to go speak at the city council meeting because they were looking at banning natural gas. It was kind of being slid underneath the carpet to, to do. And we ended up having a whole group of people going and talking. And, and because of that, they, they delayed the vote. It's not over yet. But when we look at the next 10 years, there are, are going to be some battles in our industry. And, and I am convinced the businesses that are investing in educating themselves and learning and growing and training, they're going to be the ones that make it through. And I think 10 years from now, I think the landscape is going to be a lot more sparse of, of active dealers that are in our industry. Yeah. Le- licensing is getting to be a bigger and bigger issue in more areas. Uh, the ironic thing about it, it's a local issue. Uh, it's not usually the state. Sometimes it's the state, but usually it's a municipality, it's a city, a town, a county. And and what we really need is the local guy, the local dealer to pay attention before the decisions are made. Sure. So so often I'll get a phone call that'll say, well, now they 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 you know require us to have a license. Well, it's a long process. When the, when the state of Iowa started a licensing process for gas installations, it took five years. But the local affiliate was involved in that process from the very, very beginning, and they got it to where NFI was accepted. The other call I'll usually get is the guy who says, they're talking about licensing our area. You should get it so they recognize NFI. And, and the reality of that is um, the Hearth Patio Barbecue Education Foundation is a 501c3. To go to a local municipality and suggest that they accept NFI as a criteria to get a license is legally called lobbying. And I'm forbidden by law to lobby. So we need that local guy to get involved, to be there. They can bring me in to explain the program, to explain why it's a credible program and how we do what we do. But we need that local grassroots effort in order to get it done. The reality is plumbers and HVAC businesses are very politically active. And it's something that that local guy just has to say, I'm committed to doing this. HPBA's Government Affairs Department has some great resources on how to stay in touch with what's going on in your local municipalities. Uh, Take advantage of it because uh, it's got to be done. They don't want a suit from Washington, D.C. to come in and talk to them. They want voters to come in and talk to them. Yeah, that's right. And and I think the, the big thing to remember, too, is that as there are more and more markets where certification is becoming mandatory, I think, isn't St. Louis one of them? St. Louis is one of them. Uh, the uh, the state of New Jersey just passed a, a, right. a law that requires that somebody is uh, a master heart professional. We call a master heart professional that person who's certified in wood, gas, and pellet. And there there's a, a new law. There's it's still the regulation is still being defined, but they're going to require that if you want to install hearth appliances, you have to be an a, a NFI master hearth professional, whether you sell gas or whether you sell pellets or not, you've got to have that certification. It's coming. Yeah. And I think it's important just to realize that we got to get involved in these conversations because 
if yeah. if certification is going to be required, and, and and it's so easy to blame the legislators, but honestly, it's not totally their fault because they don't know our industry. So they might say, hey, look, if someone's going to put a fireplace in someone's house, they got to have certification. And frankly, I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, if someone is going to do something like that, they should know what they're doing. The problem is because they don't know or understand our industry, they might say, oh, well, they just need to have the same thing as a furnace guy. So maybe they make a certification that, well, you got to have this HVAC license, you got to have this type of HVAC you know, commercial insurance, and you got to have five years experience as a journeyman. Well, you know, that might be relevant for HVAC, but it's not relevant for hearth. And the fact of the matter is that getting involved in the conversation and, and helping to champion NFI is going to help get the right certification for the right products to protect your business and ultimately make sure the people that are installing fireplaces are, are safe and credible to do it. Yeah, well, and it's the chicken or the egg thing. You know, people don't want to get certified until somebody says they have to. But I can tell you, when the EPA wants to run a changeout program, one of the first phone calls I get is a phone call from them to find out how many people are certified in the area so they know if they can put that requirement in the regulation. Yep. Uh, so it, it and, and, and I don't want to miss one other point, Tim, and that is in many parts of the country, certification is not required. And I, I, I want people to understand and grasp the value of certification, even if nobody is requiring it. If you want a marketing edge for your business, there's no better way than to say, you know what, our staff is certified. Um, you know, I, I see dealers when you walk in their store and all of the plaques are hanging on the wall right as you walk in the door. Um, they need to market the fact that they're certified. I get calls from people who want to know what kind of consumer advertising we do. And very honestly, I would love to do consumer advertising. The propane industry spends about $10 million a year on consumer advertising. If you give me $10 million, <laughs> I'll be happy to do consumer advertising. Sure. It has to ha it for us it has to happen on the local level. The local dealer has to make it part of their sales presentation that our guys are certified. It means something and that's how the regulators will figure it out. Yeah, well I'm I'm with you Rick. I I think that there is absolutely a sales and a marketing edge that you can present if you're willing to think a little bit outside the box about how to talk about certification with the customer. Well, mm -hmm. it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I'm I'm really thankful for it. I'm I'm glad that you're championing certification and education in our industry. I think that it is some of the most important work that's out there. So Rick, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Tim. And listen, I I love what you're doing. You know, the the hardest part for us is we essentially have a product and no sales staff. So the more opportunities we have to get the word out to people of what we're doing and how we're doing it, I'll just grab the chance anytime I get it. So thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure. So if someone listening has a sales team and they want to get them certified with the NFI Heart Design Specialist, where can they go to make that happen? NFICertified.org. NFICertified.org. All right, Rick, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much. Tim, thank you. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Rick Vallejos. I loved getting the chance to talk with him and just take a deep dive on education and in particular certification in our industry. And I think that this is really important. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that 
the heart behind the podcast is to equip the leaders of our industry with the tools they need to grow their businesses so that they can be more successful, provide generous livelihoods for the people that work with and for them, and also bless a ton of customers with their products. I don't think that happens without a continual push towards education. One of the things I'm actually really excited about, it's going to be coming out here pretty soon, is the NFI is actually going to start sending out an NFI education minute through their social media campaigns, through some email blasts, and also on Facebook. And I actually helped film some of these videos, but basically what we're doing is taking some of the courses that me and other teachers will speak on down at the Expo Trade Show this year in New Orleans, and we're breaking it down into like two minutes just to give you a little taste of what's to come, but enough that you can actually start to go and make a difference in your business with it. So be on the lookout for those education minutes. I think that they're going to be really helpful. One of the things in our industry that I find is there are a lot of companies that feel like education isn't going to help them. Maybe they've been doing it for a long time. They think that they know it all. They think that their way is best. And if I'm being honest, I mean, I'm tempted to fight the same thing sometimes. I think that the longer you do something, the harder it is to break free of your own paradigm. I think Tim Rethlick actually mentioned this way back in episode number one. And if that's true for me, you know, 15 years into this, holy cow, how much more is it true for someone that's 30 years into it and that's had a lot of success? I think what's important is to realize that if we're going to win long term in this industry, we have to be committed to staying vigilant on getting better. I think that one of the most valuable things you can do is change your mentality to be a lifelong learner. A lot of folks go to college for four years and as soon as they get the degree, they're done, right? They've learned everything they need. Now they can go out and apply it. Well, I think that in life, we have to be continually educating ourselves because situations change and contexts change and you cannot count on whether it's your college education or your install training or the fact that you were certified once or that you've been doing it for 20 years. You know, those things are a blessing, but it doesn't change the fact that they are not sufficient to get you to where you need to go. And we have to change our mentality on educations and industry. I think as I've been traveling around at these affiliate shows, it shows that by the low attendance, there's not a big push for education. And it's a shame because the businesses that are there are the businesses that are ultimately going to win. And I want more of that for everybody. One of the things as well is that a lot of companies feel like it's not worth training their people because they're just going to leave. We talked about this in the interview. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I remember a number of years ago, I was giving a presentation and someone came up to me from one of my previous companies and they said, hey, Tim, we love everything you talk about, but we can't train our people because they're going to leave us just like you did. And I didn't have the heart to say it, but, but I thought to myself, you know, it didn't have to be that way. And I think that if you're a company looking at your employees this way, If you don't put opportunities in front of them, they will go somewhere else where there's opportunity. It's not an indictment against you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it means that if they can't find what they're looking for in your company, they're going to go somewhere else. So you should be the leader that's investing into them, pouring into them, showing them a path forward. There is a way to do this that holds on to your people. And if, you know, at some point they leave you, it's probably going to be with your blessing. I think it's so important to remember this, that team members who are invested in and educated are the team members that are going to make you money and represent your brand the way that you want them to. 
So we have to stay learning. And one of the questions that I get a lot is, well, how do I do that? I mean, I'm busy. Maybe I don't have a college education. Maybe I don't know where to start. You know, I've got so much stuff on my plate that I just don't have any time. And back in season two, we did a resources episode that I would refer you to on some basic places to start. But here's some things that come to mind for me right away. You know, number one is to read. It's so valuable. I mean, Seth Godin talks about how a book for $20 is literally like some of the best value you can get because you can read it again and again and again. It can literally change your life. And even though I'm a fan of podcasts, I'm a fan of audiobooks, videos, everything else, I think there's something to reading. Now, for me, I'll confess, I am busier than I've ever been, and I am reading actually less than I normally would right now, but what I'm choosing to do is the books that are the most valuable to me, I'm still making a commitment in the bits and pieces that I have available to be committed reading those physical books. Now, outside of that, podcasts are amazing. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you hopefully get some value out of it, but I'll tell you, one of the best ways to rally your team is to take episodes of podcasts and send them out to the team and then go over it in the sales meeting. If you can do this, whether it's with this podcast or with a different one, you're going to find it rallies your team and it starts to make them think outside the box. And it's actually pretty incredible how much people who maybe wouldn't be readers, quote unquote, will listen to a podcast and they'll start to get that hunger to learn more and more and more. Another thing I think about in this industry, NFI certification, straight up, the leaders of your teams that install fireplaces need to invest in NFI certification. This is something that literally could be the difference between burning down someone's house and keeping it safe 20 years from now. It is a no-brainer, and there's a way to leverage this and market it to set yourself apart from anybody else. One thing with this too is every year at the trade show, Rick's Foundation puts together what they call an education passport. And these things are cheap, they're like 150 bucks. And you're going to get access to literally dozens of courses. I mean, personally, I'm teaching two of them at Expo this next year. My friend Grant Falco is teaching two. There are some amazing other teachers who are bringing content that literally would cost you thousands of dollars to hire them outside of Expo. And you can get it all in one place for 150 bucks. I was on the phone recently with some very high-ranking people in our industry talking about the trade show. And the idea was that in recent years, it's been harder for companies to bring installers, to bring salespeople, to bring service techs to the trade show. And I get it. It's expensive. It's an investment, no question. But I'm telling you, that education passport is a bargain. And you should be bringing the high-ranking people on your team and strategically deploying them to different sets of classes throughout the week so that you can all come together and decide how are we going to apply this to our business to grow long-term. Well, I hope that's given you some good food for thought on education. You can tell I'm fired up about it because honestly... This is the future of our industry. If we want to grow, if we want to be a person of influence, if we want to be a leader who raises up people of influence, we have to invest in continuing to sharpen the saw. So with all of that in mind, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I can't wait to see you guys next time. And I hope that you can go out this week and in the heart of the busy season, be a blessing to the people in your company and customers you serve. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, 
and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.